Welcome to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. I'm Brian Patton. Today we welcome Tomb Mold and Dream Unending guitarist Derek Vela to the podcast. Dream Unending's new record, Song of Salvation, is out today on 20 Bucks Spin. Links to the record will be in the show notes. Derek talks about choosing Toronto over Philadelphia when the pandemic hit, releasing music on cassette, the joy of creating with friends, and more. This was such a delightful chat, and I'm grateful that Derek was on the pod. If you've been paying attention to social media news, you'll have noticed it's all bad. A lot of people have lost their jobs at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I've noticed in the last few weeks that Instagram engagement with the podcast is way down, like nearly non-existent. I don't play the social media game, I don't have the apps on my phone, and I'm not spending time on the various websites engaging, posting lots of photos, etc. I just post the new episodes. But As the Story Grows is on Discord, and I'm on Discord all the time. I'd love to have you join me. We also have the As the Story Grows mailing list, which is moving to Substack this week. A link to both will be in the show notes. Those are without a doubt the best ways to stay in touch with me and As the Story Grows. Enjoy this week's chat with Derek Vela from Dream Unending. How's it going? Good, man. It's uh, it's a nice Monday morning here in Toronto, Ontario. Yeah. And autumn is in full effect, so I'm very happy. Yeah. Because I really love the fall. Yeah. Same. And I, I get to wear layers. It's not too cold. Hasn't started snowing. Where are you right now? DC. Okay. In DC. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. Sweet. So, so do you do you get much of an you get an autumn there? Yeah, it gets cool. Yeah, the weather yeah. is fighting with itself right now. Like some days it's like very cold. Like the mornings are pretty cold. Like, yeah, I was, I was all bundled up, like taking my kids to school this morning. But like, it's also supposed to be near 70 this afternoon. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe yeah. I can still wear my jean jacket. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, fair enough. The yeah. push and pull for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. De- definitely <laughs> awesome. good layer season. Yeah. So you're yeah, up yeah. in you're up in Toronto. I, I, I guess am. I guess my question is going to be, um, how did you end up in Outer Heaven? <laughs> so that's a funny story. Outer Heaven and like um when I this would have been I guess twenty going into twenty twenty, I thought I was gonna be moving to Philadelphia. Okay. because um, that's where my my now wife was living. So I thought I was gonna move down there and then I was like, well, if I'm moving that way, I'll join Outer Heaven. And then with with Dream Unending, I thought, well, Justin is in Boston. That's like five hours away. We can kind of make it work. But then during the pandemic, we had like a change of heart, uh, yeah. probably for the best. And 
my wife came up here. So then without her heaven, I sort of was like, you know, I'm not coming down there anymore, but if you want me on your next record, like I'll learn it all, I'll play it all, I'll record my parts up here. Um, and I had started playing like a fretless bass. So they were like, you kind of have to be on the album. And I was more than okay with it. So then they got a guy now who plays bass for them live. And gotcha. if they ever, if he ever needs, if he ever wants to bounce things off me about the new songs, I'll show him what I played. And, you know, I'm always happy to help. Um, yeah. But during the pandemic, I was like, if you want to play shows, like go for it. But like, I am no way I can get down there. Right. <laughs> like it was, you know, for a long time during that too, like you had, when you came back to Canada, you were required to isolate for like X amount of days and whatever. So it's just like, it's not feasible. Like, yeah, not, not, yeah, no, not worth it. And if it was a tour, it'd be different, but like one-off shows was sort of like, you know, your best to have a guy. Yeah. 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 Were you doing a lot of back and forth pre pandemic to Philly from Toronto or? Yeah. I like all the time to visit, to visit my wife. And, uh, I had, I was able to practice with out having a couple of times, but I played one show with them at St. Vitus in New York, which was really awesome. And then relapse ended putting out, putting out that, that show on, on record, which yeah. was cool. Um, cause I thought it was really good. And, but yeah, before that, like a lot of, a lot of like one hour flights from Toronto to Philly, a lot of like canceled flights because of flash floods in Philly. Like, yeah, it was, like a pretty crazy year or two. And then now it's now not having to travel and like actually like living with my wife is pretty sick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Very, it's, very pleased. It, it's a good trade off. How'd you meet if she was down in Philly? Uh, we met through like going on tour. Okay. And then we became friends and then, uh, life came at us pretty fast on both ends. And then somehow we just ended up together. And nice. then no, it's good. Yeah, it's good stuff. That's awesome. I lived in Philly until 2021. Oh, well, really? From, from 2015 to 2021. So yeah. Okay. Um, what took you out of Philly? My wife's job. Okay. Yeah. Which is what yeah. took us up there. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then you have how many kids do you have? Two. Two. How old? Yeah. Uh, eight and five. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So they're both in school now. Yeah. 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 Is it still like every time they leave for school, does does your heart still break a bit or are you good with it now? <laughs> no, this this summer there was a point this summer I was like, school needs to start. You need to go. <laughs> <to school." laughs> yeah, okay. I got yeah. you. Uh, I got yeah. you. But then there's some moments where you're like, oh, they sad that they're not babies anymore. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's well, let's D DC's a nice place. I like DC. It is it is nice, yeah. It's yeah. where I grew up, so Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, it, it all works out. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you uh, grow up in Toronto? Yeah, I grew up outside of Toronto in a city called Oshawa, um, yeah. like a town of like 130,000. Um, and then Toronto was always like a train ride away. So once we were in high school, like friends and I could take the train in to go to shows, especially like matinee shows were always the best because we knew we could get the last train home for sure. Oh, cool. um, and yeah, and then I've probably lived in Toronto proper since yeah, like, like since 2010, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. That's awesome. What got yeah. you into music? Um, I wanted to play guitar when I was in elementary school and my, my dad played piano. So I always thought that was cool. I was introduced to like the idea of playing music kind of from the jump and I didn't want to play piano though. I wanted to play guitar. So they got me a guitar and I took lessons and then just sort of snowballed from there. Yeah. yeah 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 but yeah i just uh 
you know, I didn't really like playing sports that much. And I, I, you know, I, I knew I had some sort of artistic bone in me, but it wasn't, was, it was that, no, I can't, nothing visual, can't draw for shit, can't, yeah. <laughs> but like, I can write, so I write, I like writing music. Yeah. Seems yeah. to work for me. Yeah. 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 Were you a uh, introverted kid? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like very, very fucking shy boy. Um, yeah. And I guess I, I can, in a lot of ways, I, I still am. Yeah. Um, but I have a better, I'm better at opening up now, but I'm always sort of waiting to see, like, I'm always feeling out the other person, like yeah. what kind of conversation can we have? Can I be myself or do I have to be a little bit more like buttoned up or whatever, yeah. you know? So, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely an introvert. Yeah. Like, and, and guitars are a good instrument for that. Cause you can just lock yourself in your room and play by yourself for hours and practice. For sure. And, like, for sure. and now like with the way technology is, is like, you could just make like a whole record by yourself yeah. in like a, in a bedroom, right? Yeah. Like a whole yeah. guitar album and stuff. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's great, but like, you know, it's, it's good to socialize too. You know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like if I, that was a th- like opening up more, like not being afraid to reach out to people. It's like the reason why I get to do things like Dream Unending. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like Dream Unending exists because I emailed my bandmate Justin after his band Innumerable Forms finally put out a record uh, like a few years back because they'd been a band for so long, but they never had like an LP. Yeah. So when they did, I was like, I should reach out to this guy because I've been watching him play in bands since I was, you know, 16, 17 years old. So it's like, you know, I've I've been in enough rooms as this guy the same at the same time as this guy i should actually just say hello yeah and i couldn't do it in person because i was like too much of a little chicken shit but <laughs> over email it was easy because it's like ah oh, if he doesn't write me back it ain't no thing and yeah. if he writes me back great you know that's sort of that's like emailing bands like through their band camp i do that all the time mm-hmm. i maybe have like a 50 percent success rate of hearing back but like whatever i did yeah. it. it's fine you know yeah. it's fifth, like it's like uh you know you just have to shoot your shot sometimes yeah yeah. What got you into metal or heavier music? Um, probably at first the guitar playing, super flashy. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'd love to be able to play like that. I still wish I could play like that, but <laughs> I'm trying. Um, and then I think, you know, I, I was into like punk and hardcore first and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the thing that really turned me onto that was like the aggressiveness of it all. Yep. And then extreme metal kind of just took that it was like the next logical step. Um, so I, I was really into, yeah, I got really into death metal and grind. And then, you know, like I got into black metal and all that stuff from there. But now, like, I think a lot of it, a lot of it, I still like, but now like I find myself like into like way more, not nerd nerdy stuff, but like the more like progressive side of death metal is like sort of like where I hang my hat as far as like listening to it and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I find that, the aggressiveness of of that music speaks to me, but it's it's so polished that it almost feels sometimes can feel a little mechanical. That's why like that's why like hardcore or like um, like screamo and stuff. I always found a little bit more like authentic as mm-hmm. far as like the ag- aggression went. It was just way more unhinged. Like, it was okay to play poor at yeah. times. Like it was like you. It's like that you know you sacrifice so like a certain percentage of um, precision. But what you can exchange it for is like intensity yeah. and the intensity felt more genuine. Um, and you know, a lot of like, a lot of death metal bands are very stiff live. Like they don't move around much. And if they do, it's just headbang. And it's like, 
you know, it almost feels like choreographed or something, which I always found kind of funny. But anyways, yeah, um, that stuff for sure. And then like, I guess like the, the subject matter of it, um, how imaginative it could be. And that's how I feel about like metal in general and like progressive music yeah. in any way is just super, like, you know, you can have a lot of imagination with it and it feels limitless. That's why I like doom metal too. Cause I feel like you can just play whatever you want and if it's slow, it works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was the scene like there in, uh, Toronto and like, oh Toronto yeah, yeah. I, Toronto. I imagine Oshawa was pretty small <laughs> Oshawa like Oshawa we had we had like some we had some grind bands and some not so great metal bands but you know some shows would come through Toronto you know I didn't really get plugged into the metal stuff until I was an adult um and I got into that through like meeting people from like hardcore shows that had either metal bands or went to metal shows um but we had a couple good grind bands. We have a couple good, like, you know, death metal bands. There was a great, great thrash metal band from back in the day called Rammer. Um, some of those guys had a band called Abyss, which my bandmate in Tumult played drums in. Um, they were awesome. The best kind of hardcore grindy band from the area was this band called The Endless Blockade, who were just fucking fantastic. What a band. Um, so, yeah, like, there was, and, like, shows were generally pretty like well attended and whatnot um and as for now like i i, I don't really go to too many shows these right. days but well i mean coming out of the pandemic like I, I definitely have noticed like a couple new bands from on here in ontario that played metal and some of it is really good and yeah so there's like it's a it's a vibrant city but i feel like some american cities probably have a more bursting scene but that's okay yeah, yeah. that's okay yeah <laughs> How'd you uh, end up in two mold? Well, Max, the drummer and vocalist, him and I have been playing in bands forever. Um, and he had that, he was in that band abyss. And I remember when he was, he was, he quit the band and I thought maybe he was done with metal. And then he kind of hit me up and was like, we should write some death metal. And I was like, oh, okay. I've never done that before. So be down to try. And I was just like, what do you want to sound like? And he was like this. And I was like, okay. So we wrote kind of like more, you know, simplistic Finnish style kind of hmm. knuckle dragging death metal. And it was good. And we had fun with it and people responded well to it, which we just weren't ready for. So we kind of just kept rolling with it. And, you know, uh, a label called blood harvest offered to put out an LP for us. So we were like, sure, we'll write a record. It was sort of the fun, the whole fun part about it was just, it was a real learning on the job experience. Like we just had no idea what we were doing. So we just kind of rolled with it. Yeah. And, um, which I think gives us like a unique perspective on, on how we approach the music. And we just don't, we just don't feel like we're trying to really replicate any certain blueprint any, anymore at this point, we just kind of play whatever the hell we want. Yeah. But then, and then we, you know, we, we had a couple friends join, um, one of them it's now it's just me, Max and our other guitar player, Payson. And all three of us used to play in like a power violence band called purity control up here, which was a lot of fun. So it was nice to, and, and Payson is on 
uh, all the LPs and, and everything post the first record, Primordial Malignity. So he's on Man of Infinite Forms, Planetary. And now it's just the, we put out a new tape this year and it was just the three of us. So I was back on bass as well as guitar. But, um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We toured a bunch. We put out those two records on 20 bucks spin. We did a lot in like a short amount of time. Yeah. And it was, it was just like really like riding the wave of momentum. And it was actually like, we had a real sort of Nostradamus moment where we came back from Europe in 2019 and we're sort of like, we have one more show for the year. Let's just like hit the brakes. Like let's just take a time. <laughs> let's recharge. Let's take a rest. And then the pandemic hit and it was like, oh, thank God we didn't commit to like jack shit. Right. Right. Like, right. Like we didn't have to let anything go. We didn't have to delay anything. And it was sort of just like, well, we'll all just like sit in our places and we'll just play our instruments and get better. And then when this blows over, we'll get back together and then we'll all be stronger at our position. And then we'll just start making new music. Yeah. And then it was fun to make that tape this year, Aperture of, of Body, because you know, we hadn't done anything for so long. So we really just assumed that, you know, I think we think that like, once you stop making music, once you stop being active in some way, people just forget who you are. Yeah. Um, I, I find, I, I just really find that a lot of people and I, not a lot of people, but my fear is that people's relationship with music is very fleeting because now we have everything at our fingertips, yeah. right? And this isn't some like boomer take. Like I love, yeah. I love the fact that I can discover something new every day. You know, if I'm like reading an article and then they, some person mentions some record, I'm glad that I can find it yeah. immediately and hear it. Right. But I always just think that, you know, a record has like a shelf life of like two weeks, and, mm -hmm. but I'm comfortable with that. Cause that's just, makes me want to keep writing music and just yeah. it's like, all right, well, what's the next thing I can do? Like, let's just, let's just keep cranking it out. So, um, we made that tape and we just, we're like, well, we'll make it and we'll put it up and we just, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, yeah. it was like, it was like the old days where it was like, we didn't have to announce anything. There's no pre-order. It was just like, make a tape, put it up, see what happens. Yeah. So we did that and then it sold out in like an hour and then we were like holy shit and then a bunch of people seemed mad that we didn't make more and we we're like <laughs> we didn't and i remember saying to someone i was like we didn't realize people would care and they're like you have to be like like just like brain dead to think it wouldn't go over well. we're like we honestly like we honestly did not want to like set expectations high right because like it's more it's more fun to be like pleasantly surprised and to be let yeah. down by yourself yeah but we cranked out like three pressings of that tape, like, you know, so it was great. It was a lot of fun, but it was like a real boost for us because it was just yeah. like, it was nice for us to ease back into recording. And, and if you listen to the new tape, like it's way more angular uh, than anything we've done before. So it was just like nice to sort of show like, hey, this is where we're at. You know, mm -hmm. if you like it, great. If you don't, well, that's fine. And then it was fun, though. And yeah, we, we got really energized off it. And it's like, just, uh, it was a nice, it was a nice moment, especially after like not doing anything for a couple of years and sort of mm -hmm. like missing, missing the process. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. why it gave me a lot of time to work on dream and ending in the meantime. So it was nice to be able to crank out like two LPs and not have it actually like impede any process with, or like any progress with two mm -hmm. mold. That was important. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And doing like a cassette release. If it sells out, you've done 25. It's super easy and super cheap 
to make another 25. Oh as, yeah, for as sure. As opposed to having like a thousand records that are now in your closet. You're like, fuck, we're never going to sell these. I know, I know. Like, And we, we were like, you know, when we were kicking around numbers, like we were like for the first pressing, I think each pressing was like close to 300. Okay. But it was just like, you know, we really streamlined the process. It was like, we'll do 300. They'll all be like the same kind of color without, with like some maybe variation. It was like, you can only buy one tape so we could pre-pack them ahead of time because it was like the moment they sell we wanted to get them out like we yeah. just wanted no bullshit but we didn't want anyone buying four and trying to flip them that's why we made a bunch because it was just like we wanted to discourage people trying to sell them for a premium yeah which like, you can't avoid completely like it's just impossible but yeah it was just like that way it was just so easy like we would sit there assemble the tape throw it in a mailer mm. while we like watched a movie and then it was like done yeah and that was just like a much more pleasant way than trying to do anything that required a lot of footwork because yeah. we didn't want to get held up by any bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the cassette on the Bandcamp page. I see the wall of cassette tapes behind you. Uh, yeah. Is that like a new obsession or just something you've always like connected well, with cassettes or like, well, like it's Max, my bandmate and Tumult is the, is the tape guy. Yep. Like, I think he's probably got thousands like serious collector. Yeah. And of like, he's got so, like, he'll just send me random photos. He's like, oh, yeah, I got this this week. And I'm just like, oh my God. Just like super deep cut, even like Canadian, a lot of Canadian stuff. A lot of, he's a big noise guy. So he's got a ton of crazy noise tapes and a yeah. lot of good metal and a lot of good ambi. He's got everything. But uh, he's, he's really, he's really the cassette dude. Uh, the tapes are great. Well, in, in, in theory, they take up less space. Yeah unless you're buying in the thousands, then you right. have like these, like just those like, you know, like mailboxes, or, like uh -huh. those cardboard carrier boxes full of like stacks yep. and stacks <laughs> and stacks. So that's his life. I'm, I'm not there. I buy records mostly and they're just scattered throughout the apartment. Like, <laughs> like my wife's are over there in an expedite, but then mine are just in like random bins and crates. Cause I just yeah. don't have a spot to shelve them yet. So yeah. it's a, yeah, there's always, there's always just stuff piling up like there's just like you can see behind me like all my guitars and gear yeah. and all that shit <laughs> so it's just like you know it's always chaos in here Dream and Ending got started after I after I emailed Justin about the forms record. We just started talking, and I think I said to him, um, you know, if you ever want to work on something together, you know, let me know. And then he was like, Yes, I do. He's like, Let's do a Doom band. I was like, Well, what kind of Doom? And he was like, Like Peaceville Doom, like My Dying Bride, Anathema. And I was like, Okay, yeah, cool. Um, and again, kind of like Doom Mold, I had never tried to write Doom metal before. I don't know how to play any Doom riffs. Um, so it was sort of just like another learning on the job sort of mm -hmm. experience. But this one was different because I knew that I would be in charge of all the guitars and bass and all that, and he would do drums and vocals. So I was able to be meticulous and kind of just like line everything up and map everything out and 
write how many parts I wanted to write and like have the freedom of time. Like just like I could work at my own pace, but my own pace is pretty not quick, but I just obsess over it. And I kind of just, I kind of just really want to push for it. And so it worked out, it worked out well. Uh, When I, when we realized that we weren't going to be living near each other at all was when we were like, all right, like, let's just figure out a way to make the record. So Justin recorded drums remotely. And then I would take those drums and go record everything properly in Hamilton, Ontario at a studio called Boxcar. And, and then he would do vocals at home. And then we had a couple of friends like add some stuff to it. And then we'd get it mixed by Arthur Rizik, who mixed and mastered the last couple two mold records. And he recorded Justin's drums for both albums. And he, yeah, he did a great job. And it was just like, it was an interesting process. Cause we were just like, can we pull this off? Yeah. But like the first record we were like, wow, we actually can do it. So then we were so inspired to just make another. And it was just like, let's just see like how far we could go and push the song lengths without really thinking we were going to. And um, just, uh, I felt like it was just played with more confidence. It was just, the new record has a stronger performance, I think across the board. Um, Cause we just knew what we were doing at this right. point. It was just like, okay, we know how to do this. And it's like, I know how to go record these songs now and stuff. Like it was demoing's fine. Cause you have, all the time in the world sitting at your desk right Mm -hmm. right but then when you're on somebody else's time in a studio like you want to make it count and not and be prepared and uh, so i generally would show up with you know about 90 percent of it written yeah and then like leave a 10 percent just to like you know happy accidents or just chance discoveries yeah yeah with the new record was there i mean confidence that you could do it but like because you had done the first one where you were kind of experimenting and really trying to find and figure out a sound, was it easier to write the second one being like, this is the direction of the band or were there things you did not tap into that you were like, now I want to try this. I think so. Like, I think, um, I think like the best part was like, after we made the first record, like, you know, getting to listen to it a bunch, like as a finished product and, and being like, this is good. And then it's like, what do I like about it? What's missing from it? Like, what would I do differently? So when approaching Song of Salvation, the new record, it was sort of like, you know, it takes a good six minutes for the record to really heat up. And I was like, I'd like to slice that down to a minute. Like, I'd Mm -hmm. like to have the record almost like in your face by the 60 second mark. So little things like that and kind of realizing it's like, do I want to write a doom record or do I just want to write a like a progressive metal record that's slow. So I kind of looked at it more like that. Like I kind of thought about bands like Opeth and stuff where they'll write a 14, 16 minute burner where it's like no riffs really repeat. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I love that. I hate repeating riffs. So (laughs) I would sort of just start writing a song and feeling it out and see where it takes me. And then whenever I thought it reached its logical end is like, all right, that's the end of the song. So I think originally the record was just going to be the two long songs, but then I was like, that's not enough. And we kind (laughs) of filled it out. I kept writing and, so it just turned into a, a five song record, but, um, yeah, it was, um, I kind of knew I wanted, I wanted to kind of tap into different moods. Like for me, I think writing songs is not so much about, I want to write a song that has a riff that sounds like this. It sort of comes out, comes out naturally, but it's more so I want to write a song where there's parts that make me feel a certain way. You know, I always, I'm like looking for more of like the emotional response from the song, as opposed to the, you know, the, the riff itself. It's like more so like, how does it make me feel? And like, yeah. 
creating and stacking things to evoke a certain feeling like that's i find that more in my wheelhouse of like how i approach writing music so you know i would listen to other albums and be like i love how this song makes me feel so it's like how do i how do i get that on the record some of it is a little bit more like direct like you know i love this band this old band from scotland called the blue nile and they have this song on their second album hats it's called let's go out tonight and it's like this like you know like you know not a torch ballad but it's like a a a blue feeling ballad with like piano and trumpet and i was like oh that's you know i'd love to recreate something like that for like two and a half minutes on the record so i i rewrote i wrote the song secret grief and was like i'll put we'll have piano there and i'll write a melody and i'll uh, if i can get someone to play it on trumpet i will and it was just like i wanted to write something that made me feel the way that song makes me feel yeah like oh that was great and we got our friend phil swanson who used to be in a band with justin called summerlands who are still a band with a different singer now he had we had him sing on it and it was just amazing and those those things i i thought about more of that i wanted to write a record that you know doom is a very depressing genre and mm-hmm. i don't think dream on ending is that depressing of a band so we wanted to write something that was like hopeful and joyous that still had the kind of like the downtrodden sections so yeah. i kind of created a record where you know the first song it really like it, it's exciting and it, it goes places and it fills you with a lot of like wonder and other stuff and then it's like all right now we're going to kind of bring it bring the album down for a while <laughs> and then the last song kind of pulls you back up but yeah. it was like you know i wanted to run through the whole like gamut of emotion and and sort of just like building the record like that but then you know um and and i i never viewed it as like one long piece but it can really play that way yeah. but i I didn't want to put out a record with just like one long song. I think that that's kind of annoying. <laughs> I like when bands do it. I just like, for me, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, I think just the, um, you know, you have to really like, like you have to have a lot of confidence in either. You have to have a lot of confidence that people will stick with you for like a 70 minute song, or you just don't give a shit. And yeah. you're just like, I don't fucking care who listens kind of thing. Right. And if, if that, if that's the mentality i can get into that more so i think than being super confident just because i've i've never been extremely confident and right, right right that's just not my mo like i'm just too in my own head about that stuff so I, I i can respect the idea of like just making it for the sake of making it like i guess like with song of salvation i started writing it before the first record tide turns eternal i started writing song of salvation before the album was finished being mixed yeah. So clearly I was like, I don't, I don't need to know any, I don't need to know what anybody thinks of this record in order to want to write another one. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Excuse me. So it was like purely for, for me, it's like, I'm doing it for me, not for, because I have to, or like, because there's a fan base that expects it. Like, yeah. uh, none of that stuff ever really factors in, uh, not, it's just like, I, you know, it's it's for me or my bandmates first. And then if people like it, that's just a bonus, right? Yeah, yeah. But the just the, the pursuit of creating something that you feel is meaningful is really like the best thing to chase. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, there's a great moment on In Cypher I Weep. It, they're like the ambient guitar section right before the clean solo where oh, yeah. Justin goes, oh, yeah, and it yeah, just yeah, sounds yeah. like a dinosaur. Oh, yeah, that like, was space, good. And it's, it's really fucking cool. Those stuff, that stuff's fun because 
uh, some of it I don't realize until I, I hear it. Like, yeah. I don't know he's going to do that. So on the new record, there's a, the closing tracks called ecstatic rain. And near the end, there's this, like before the last clean break, there's this slow, like very sorrowful, like doom riff. Mm-hmm. And at, at one part he just goes, and it's just like perfect. And I didn't know he was going to do that. And then when I heard it, I think I, I was like lis- listening here in my apartment on my speakers for the first time. And I was just like texting. Him, I was like, oh, that, that breath you take. And at this point, I was like, that's brilliant. It's just like those little things where. And that was the fun part about making the record with someone remotely is like not knowing what the drums were going to sound like till mm-hmm. I, they were done. Like he's like, OK, I recorded this, this song today. Here's a rough mix. Like here's a mix out. And it's like, oh, wow, like that's great. Nice. I just, <laughs> but not knowing not knowing what it's going to be is really interesting. Yeah. 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 It's like, uh, I like, it's a nice surprise and I'm not so controlling that I would be like editing his drums while he was doing it. I, you know, uh, drummers know how to play drums better than I do. So (laughs) I kind of leave it to them and, and not try to edit or give them notes ever. Yeah. Where did the uh, title for the record come from, Song of Salvation? Um, that's a good question. I know I came up with it. I think um, I think because the record, or the, the songs we write really have to do with kind of um, finding yourself, like, like finding joy, freedom, like mm-hmm. letting, letting yourself just be comfortable with everything. It's sort of like, and like self-discovery, taking something from experience, not trying to repress the past, sort of just learning to live with it. And Mm -hmm. sort of of like saving yourself from yourself, right? So I felt like salvation was a word that kind of kicked around in my head a lot. And, And we look for salvation. So in, in many ways we look through it maybe through religion or through uh, nature or through vices, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, so I just was like, well, if I'm going to write a song about that stuff, I might as well just call it song of salvation. Yeah. It's like, a, it sounds like a very, like, it's a very gospel sounding thing, yeah. which like I love. Cause like, I, I really do love like old gospel music, um, especially watching like old television broadcasts of it. Um, Cause it was just so passionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, is these people screaming yeah. about about God, and I'm not much of a religious guy, but uh, I definitely I feel something when I hear it, and it's yeah. just almost envy. It's like oh, I wish I could feel that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I really take something from it, um, and then so I think I think it fit the record well, and um, yeah, that's I think it kind of came from that. Yeah. Are yeah. you and are you and just getting like? conversations about lyrical themes and where yeah songs are for going. sure for sure so he writes all the lyrics he sings like he writes 
um, anything that's sung clean by anyone or spoken, I, I write those parts. Yep. And that stuff, I find it usually, that stuff usually comes first, and then it helps to set a tone for what he wants to write. Yep. But thematically, we kind of talk about, you know, we'll write about this, write about that. We knew it wasn't going to be like any evil shit, no like yeah. spooky stuff. It was just like, no, we're going to like not do that. Mm -hmm. just didn't feel like us you know yeah. like so um we were just like all right well we know what we kind of write we want to know like you know it's sort of the sound we were going for was going to be more like ethereal and like and dreamy and stuff so yeah. it's like well it's not right about anything too oppressive um and it just kind of worked out well for itself like it just it i feel like i wouldn't have been able to write this stuff with anybody else and so i was just very very grateful that we've done it and like very blessed to have found him and and make this music with them it's a yeah. really like really like wonderful feeling mm -hmm. it's a the thing about making records is like it's cool and you feel some sort of self-fulfillment i know a lot of people feel pride when they make stuff they're very proud of the music they make i'm not much of a pride guy uh or rather i'm proud of other people i'm not proud of myself i don't <laughs> i there's a great there's a great uh, quote from the show Twin Peaks. Uh, one of the guys says, "Like achievement is its own reward, and pride obscures it," which I always found interesting. I feel like if I was proud, then I feel like I I would be satisfied, and if I was satisfied, I wouldn't keep wanting to write music. Yeah, um, not saying that I I'm like it's I don't like the stuff I write. Obviously, I like it. If I didn't like <laughs> it, I wouldn't record it. But um the real joy of making these records comes from like everybody else being involved mm -hmm. and making you know like the songs are just like an idea i have right but then it takes all these other people coming together to really make it what it is you know like um like we like with the with with the new dream and ending record the the lead off single was um secret grief and like that's a nice song but what makes it a great song is my friend Layla abdul roof playing trumpet on it and our friend Phil singing on it, my dad playing piano on it. And like, they make the song what it is, you know, it's, if those things aren't on it, it's fine. It's mm -hmm. just fine though. But with them on it, it's, it's very good. And those things like, I, I can't ever thank people enough for, like, I'm very like blessed to have people who are willing to work with me on stuff like that. Like you can't like that, that sort of, that's almost more fulfilling to me than anything I write. It's yeah. just someone being willing to like take a chance and, and work on it with me. That's crazy. That's how I feel about like, you know, having my bandmates in Tumult, who is just like, I mean, Tumult is like a, it's a collaborative process, but like just the fact that Max was like, you know, who else was I going to ask to start a band like that? And it was just like, oh, I'm glad, you know, it's like those things that that means that means more to me than most things, I think, as far as like making music goes. So song song of salvation i got to have a lot of people be on it with us and that was like in small ways and it just made the record what it is
Thanks for listening to As the Story Grows. Our intro music was written and composed by Jeremy Hunt. The As the Story Grows theme is by Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can join us at patreon.com slash as the story grows. Be a part of our community and join the ongoing conversation over on Discord. If you enjoy this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. I never felt so young and alive as when I'm diving into a tomb. And now I'm learning as I listen along, and the wheels are turning, and I started a song. I want